today on Ag News Daily. We had struggled to get the wheat off last fall, so none of our tillage was done. And then this spring we were so wet, no tillage was done, so we battled to get everything put in. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Delaney Howell here, joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, I've got to take a moment here off the top of the podcast. I've got some big news. All righty, let's hear it. Well, I haven't talked a whole lot about this too much on the podcast, but I took a full-time job in April and started working for an ag marketing company. So we work with farmers and ranchers all over the United States, basically as a premium advisory service. So we don't do brokerage. We don't trade on their behalf. We just advise farmers when to enter and exit positions in the market. And I was hired to help put together an app, a mobile app for our farmers and customers and folks to use. And it is finally live in the app store today. So I'm very excited. It's been a whirlwind of a day, but now I can say I have successfully helped publish a mobile app. Wow, Delaney, that is super exciting. We might just have to, you know, have somebody on maybe just just you to talk about that on a Tech Tuesday. (laughs) Oh, we definitely should. That sounds like a good one. Well, Delaney, I just have follow-up news really today. And the first follow-up story that I have is concerning coronavirus stimulus talk. And earlier, I believe it was in October, President Trump had said that he wanted to cease coronavirus talk until, or stimulus talk until after the election. But House Speaker Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin have made headway, but Senate Leader Mitch McConnell reportedly doesn't want a vote before the election. Arkansas Senator John Boosman, who is in line to be the top Republican on the Senate Ag Committee next year, told AgriPulse a new deal could slip into the lame duck session, but he sees bipartisan support for ag provisions. Bosman says that USDA has enough funding for now to address farmers' current needs, including payments in the second round of the CFAP program. So what what I think is going on is that, you know, USDA has enough money to go through with the second round of CFAP program payments and that they won't make a vote but are, are apparently talking about coronavirus stimulus talk. So that is my uh, first bit of updates for today. Yeah. And I think, I believe I saw this number floating around that it would be about $20 billion in additional aid to the ag sector. Oh, wow. Okay. I hadn't seen that number yet. So I'm glad that you brought that to the attention of me and our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. But another thing I wanted to bring to our listeners' attention is looking at 2020 into 2021, And COVID-19, we saw a group of farm lenders, mostly on the farm credit side of things, had a meeting this morning that was open to the public talking about financial conditions in rural America. They acknowledged that prices have stabilized and been pretty favorable as of late, um, especially after you look at things skyrocketing and, and having an ill effect after the initial shock of COVID-19, but they say we may have stabilized for now, but they're concerned that long-term, if we do see another intensified virus, or if we see COVID spark back up again and see, you know, the economy shut down or whatnot, they said that long-term they could see another wave of 
agricultural infrastructure like processing plants shut down and they are concerned that we could see yet again uh, unstabilized prices or unstabilized conditions i should say for rural america if we do see that happening and they say you know it's a pretty likely chance that we will see that happen again you know delaney i haven't been following coronavirus numbers too specifically but i have seen you know just on social media and on the news app on my phone that numbers are rising again in the mm-hmm. U.S. However, I don't exactly know if if states will shut down again. I don't know, being down here in Texas and, you know, kind of paying attention to Governor Abbott, I don't know that he would likely shut down the state again. I'm not sure about other states, but I'm kind of on the fence on to whether or not, you know, I, I believe that it will happen, I guess, to that extent again. But, you know... Yeah, and I I don't follow those numbers super closely myself just because I feel like the numbers are confusing because if somebody, I guess this is how I've understood it before. If somebody has COVID, they've tested positive and they die, even if it's not a COVID-related death, they still, I believe, chalk it up to a COVID case. But some numbers that I just pulled here look like new daily cases have risen about 9.7% in the last week and hospitalizations are up about 7.8%, while deaths are up about 5% over the same time period. And we've seen states like North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Wisconsin are having some of the biggest spikes and they're also some of the least populated states, you know? So I think we are finally starting to see that trickle back into rural America. And so their concern is that long term, we could see the economy shut down, which is not helpful for agriculture. It definitely is not, Delaney. But moving on to another news story that I have today, it's talking about dicamba. We're seeing, you know, those dicamba conversations hitting the news lines once again. But John Latham, who is the chairman of the American Seed Trade Association, as well as the president of Latham High Tech Seeds, says he is confident about the re-registration of two dicamba products, despite the EPA missing its target of a mid-October decision. And Latham was quoted as saying, everybody that I talk to feels really confident that they are going to get the re-registration, so I'd say it's highly probable. Now, who knows? Crazier things have happened, but I do think there's a really good chance. And Administrator Andrew Wheeler has said numerous times that the EPA would make an official announcement on Dicamba by the middle of October, but next week is the final week of October, and I haven't seen anything you know, from the EPA just hearing what folks like John Latham have to say about the re-registration of Dicamba products, but hopefully by you know November 1st, the EPA will come out with a statement. Yeah, that would be the hope there. Uh, Definitely, Ashton. But I want to switch tracks here just a little bit to talk. Uh, U.S.-Brazilian trade negotiations once again. The new U.S.-Brazil trade protocols have been unveiled by Representative Lighthizer as of Monday. And Senator Grassley called them small potatoes compared to ongoing negotiations for the U.S. to regain duty-free access for ethanol into Brazil. Instead, he and his committee have been pushing hard to see U.S. Uh, Brazilian negotiations move forward. And that was echoed, you know, as I mentioned yesterday on the podcast by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So it does seem like a lot of folks in the administration are wanting to create a good agreement with Brazil for ethanol, for, uh, you know, 
corn and soybeans as they're struggling to plant things down there. And we will continue to watch that story. But we also saw, and this was in response to what Grassley was saying, but Brazil has temporarily removed its import tariffs on soybeans and soy products because they need it so bad. They are... um, U.S. soybeans are as much as $25 per ton cheaper than Brazilian soybeans are right now. And so most of Brazil's crushers are not close to ports. And the cost of getting U.S. soybeans hugely evens out that uh, $25 cheaper cost. But like I said, Brazil is having a hard time with planting this season and is likely going to need to import quite a bit of U.S. soy products to tide them over until we see them harvest uh, come, you know, January, February timeframe. Well, Delaney, we will certainly keep an eye out on that story as they are approaching harvest, but I have an update from, or maybe not an update, but rather just some additional information from the story that I shared yesterday. The uh, or An attorney for the National Port Producers Council says that the court battle against California's Proposition 12 is continuing, but it will be a while before a decision is made. And the the court actually filed for a 30-day extension for, for their brief. So that brief will be moved to next month. And then NC, NPPC's brief is going to be due in early September. So we really won't see anything major going on from what I gather until January or February of 2021. But I will definitely be keeping my eye out on this because it's very interesting concerning animal health and biosecurity. So definitely going to be keeping an eye out on Proposition 12. Yeah, that's going to be a big one uh, to keep an eye on, Ashton, just because as we see folks becoming more concerned with animal agriculture, that could have a huge impact on the way we raise livestock. It definitely will, Delaney. But other than that, I'm all out of news for the day. What about you? I am as well. Other than just talking commodity markets, Ashton, what do you say we hop to it here? Let's do it. All right, let's do it indeed. And we had some mixed trading today across the grain markets. When you look out really far, I should say, into the deferreds. But uh, short term here, things are still looking very healthy in both the corn and soybean markets. December corn today put on five cents to close at five thirteen and three quarters. The March up three and a half to close at four sixteen and three quarters. In the soybean, it's the November contract up eight today to close at ten seventy two, and I believe that that should be. A uh, new, if not close to new contract high for the November contract. I believe it touched the high today. I believe the high we put in earlier this month was 1079. Uh, It did touch that in the trading session, but just couldn't quite pull through. But we are definitely near those record high levels. In the January contract, though, we ended 7 and three quarters tenths higher to close at 1071 and a half. Wheat pulled back today just slightly as the Chicago contract cut two and a quarter cent to close at 629 in the Dece. And in March, down three quarters of a cent to close at 631 and a quarter. In the livestock pits, red across the screen with the October, excuse me, the December live cattle contract down 87 and a half cents to close at 104.57 and a half. The February down 57 and a half to close at 108.07. Feeder cattle in the green today as the November contract added 37 and a half cents, close at 131.15. The January up 37 to close at 127.07 and a half. And lean hogs 
Weakness today as the December contract shed a nickel to close at 69.20. The February added 82 to close at 68.45. And rounding out our markets with the class three dairy milk futures. November shedding 64 cents to close at 20.85. The Dees down 63 to close at 18.71. Ashton, I tell you what, my memory is failing me today. Remind us who we're talking to for today's conversation. Today we are talking to sunflower farmer Peter Ness. As harvest continues to roll along for folks, chatting today with a sunflower farmer, Peter Ness from North Dakota. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. So, Peter, you are a sunflower farmer up there in Sharon, North Dakota. Phyllison, where is Sharon, North Dakota? I'm not familiar with that part of the state. It's east, east central. Northwest okay. of Northwest of Fargo, eighty miles, or southwest of Grand Forks, forty. Got it. Okay, perfect. That puts a little better geographic target in my head for me. Uh, but tell us about your operation. So I know you do sunflower farming, which was really why I wanted to have you on the podcast today. But tell us a little bit more about the Ness Farms. Uh, started with Grandpa, went to Dad, and now I took it over. It's mostly wheat, soybeans, mix in the barley, the apple beans, sunflowers, corn, but predominantly sunflowers, wheat, soybeans. We run close to 3,000 acres. I'll cook combined. That is really fascinating. So let's let's talk a little bit more about the sunflower business because, as I mentioned to you before we started recording today, I do not have a lot of news with sunflower harvest and growing. Are you using this as a primary crop, or is it being used as a cover crop? Fill us in on that. It's uh, primary. Uh, it's been what pencils out at the end of the year. It's a late season crop, just like corn, but. That's what pays the bills. I'd like to grow more, but it like the past three years we've had snow in October and we're having snow again. So there's always struggles with it, but this year I got them all off and just fits in the rotation with our high pH soil that we have that grows really well in the high alkalinity soils. So, Peter, what does the life cycle or the season look like for sunflowers? You're harvesting right now. So take us back to when you were planting and what it looked like up until this point. <laughs> well, it started last fall when it, when we got well, it was wet from August till trees up. We had struggled to get the wheat off last fall. So none of our tillage was done. And then this spring, we were so wet. No tillage was done, so we battled to get everything put in. And then then it got dry on us. And it poor emergence. And But we had a good fall. Harvest went great. Har- harvest was just a breeze this year compared to the past two. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that That's a, a relief, I'm sure. Um, tell us a little bit more about sunflower harvest. Are you using a combine to s- harvest these sunflowers? Are you using a specialty head on a combine? What what does that look like? Yeah, no, it's just for our normal KSH flagship combine. 
We got a 35 foot platform head with it's modified with uh, pans on it. So it's basically very simple. Just your normal head with pans on it and just go up and down the field and clip the heads off. And what does a good sunflower harvest look like? I mean, you talk about corn and soybeans. We're looking for the most yield we can get. What does that look like on the sunflower side of things? The thing that happened last year is it was so wet. We got sclerotinia really bad. It's the head rocked. And the heads just, when they dry out, they just disintegrate. Then there's nothing left of it. And there's the seeds just fall to the ground and you're, you're out. This year we were warm and dry. And... It was a good harvest, good yield. And now it's all in the bin. We're just waiting to haul them in. So, Peter, you're using sunflowers as, as a primary crop, like you said. Once you harvest these sunflowers, where where are they going? What are they being used for? I, I have them contracted with Cargill Harvest States. And it's mainly domestic use. They'll clean them, salt them, and roast them, and package them, and ship them, ship them around the United States. And what does the consumption. what does the market look like? I mean, it's obviously not a futures traded commodity. Is it just a spot price? Is it a price that you predetermine with uh, Cargill ahead of time, or how does that work? I I honestly don't know how they determine market price um but yeah it's been they've treated me very well on price wise they go they sell it by the hundred weights so peter i'm down here in lubbock texas and we have a good amount of sunflower farms kind of surrounding the outskirts of town and i recently read a story about those farmers being a little frustrated with folks coming in and taking photos in their sunflower fields, kind of ruining some of the crop. Do you have issues similar to this? And if so, how do you kind of combat that? Yes, every, every mid to late July, early August, when the sunflowers are in full bloom, there's photo shoots all over my sunflowers. <laughs> I'm not lying. There's probably one every weekend. Somebody's out there taking photos with their kids, their family, senior pictures. I just, I'm just like, whatever. Bring me a case of beer. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's a good trade-off. They have to get their perfect photo for their Instagram or Twitter account. Yep. TikToks. <laughs> oh man well peter uh, jokes aside how is uh how's harvest going for the rest of your commodities you mentioned you have soybeans and some other crops too besides uh sunflowers how's that going for you yep no the wheat came off in a timely manner beans went smooth and sunflowers went fairly smooth and we got done tried friday thursday or friday after saturday afternoon i don't know when it was so now we're just busy putting machinery away while it snows Yeah, it's crazy to think uh, I live in central Iowa and we've had a few little snow dustings now, but, you know, this is early for us. I'm sure for you, yeah. maybe not quite as early, but Mother well, it's, Nature. It's Mother Nature, but yeah, it's, it's still early and it's supposed to get like five degrees the next couple nights. Mm. Think that, so uh, it's going to be done. Time to yeah. get the machinery put away and start planning for 2021.
Well, Peter, thank you again for coming on the podcast and talking to us about sunflowers and what's going on up there in North Dakota. But for our listeners who want to follow along and maybe uh, look out for what's coming in the 2021 planning season, how can they reach you on social media? Uh, Peter Ness on Twitter. Should be able to find me. Well, awesome. Peter, thanks again for coming on the show today. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, a big thank you there again to Peter for chatting with us about sunflowers. Interesting stuff. I tell you what, Ashton. It certainly is, Delaney. And we are always covering interesting things here on the Ag News Daily podcast, which you can listen to on our website at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.